between the draft, development camp, and free agency. We've spent a lot of time lately looking ahead to the Predators team next season. But there's one thing I've learned. You always do well to take a wise look back before you dive in and try again. Of course, the Predators have made some roster changes and that usually helps, but what else do the Nashville Predators need to learn from last season moving forward? On today's Locked On Predators, we are gonna take a look at three Central Division games from last season that serve as a microcosm of the good, the bad, and let's face it, sometimes the ugly of the 2021-22 Nashville Predators team and what can next season's team learn from the past? All that is coming up on Locked on Predators. Your Locked on Predators, your daily podcast on the Nashville Predators. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Predators, and thank you for making us your first listen of the day. I am Ann Kimmel. I'm a writer at onthefourcheck.com, and I am usually joined by my partner in crime, Nick Morgan. But Nick is off for a few weeks. He is enjoying a great vacation adventure, a well-deserved one. So I am flying solo today, and we're going to spend some time today reflecting. We're going to be reflecting back on three important Central Division games from last season that sort of serve as a summary and a lesson as we look ahead for the Nashville Predators. These are games that maybe made us laugh. I'm not going to lie. A couple of moments definitely made us cry, but we're going to talk about what this team can learn and what they need to be mindful of going forward. We're going to dive into that in just a second, but first want to give you a quick update on some Nashville Predators news. Yakov Trenin and the Nashville Predators headed to arbitration yesterday. We are waiting for a ruling um, on his upcoming contract. So they went into arbitration with the team uh, saying that they wanted a 1.35 2-year contract, 1.35 million 2-year contract. Yakov Trenin and his camp were asking for a $2.4 million contract for one year. They did not come to any sort of uh, agreement or contract prior to an afternoon appointment yesterday with arbitration. So now it is all in the hands of a third party. This is kind of an interesting arbitration to keep your eye on because Yakov Trenin is kind of an unusual uh, player in the sense that his value is not really reflected as well on the stat sheet as a lot of other players are. Last season, he had seven goals. He had 24 points, which doesn't jump out at you as a player who is maybe worth 2.4 million like his camp is asking for. But you really have to step back and step away from statistics to understand the value that Yakov Trenin brings to the Nashville Predators. Trenin is a part of that herd line, that identity line for the Nashville Predators. And let's face it, the herd line was one of the few things that were consistently good this season for the team. They play kind of the style of hockey that Heinz really wants to see from the team. They are responsible from a defensive standpoint. 
Um, they can match up against so many teams first line really well. So it's a strong, um, it's a strong line and Yakov Trenin is a key part of that. And also you cannot underestimate his value on that second unit of the penalty kill where one of my favorite things to watch last season was the way that Trenin would just torment and pick and pester other teams um, on the penalty kill. Um, he also had a really strong postseason. He had three goals against Colorado in a series that was really rough to find other people with some bright spots. So it's going to be very interesting to see how arbitration sort of weighs the statistics, which maybe aren't as impressive for Trennan versus those intangible values that he brings to the team. And also got to be mindful, sometimes arbitration can ruffle some feathers. So let's hope that uh, both parties get through this without taking great offense at anything that happens in arbitration. And of course, uh, Lockdown Predators will have all of the updates on Trennan's contract as soon as we hear from how arbitration goes. So setting Trenton aside, we're going to look back actually on this episode at three central division games that not only tell the story of last season for the Predators, but also serve as warnings and reminders as the Predators move forward. So in the book, The Dictionary of Obscure Sorrows, which kind of seems a little bit like the Nashville Predators autobiography in that Colorado first round series. I'm just saying. Um, the author writes, the past is still worth looking into if it brings you closer to the truth. That's what we're going to do today. Three different games from the 21-22 season that summarize the season and prove uh, give lessons to what the Predators need to do moving ahead. So we're going to jump right in. We're going to start with the first game I want to talk about. That is a game from October 24th against the Minnesota Wild. The Predators won that game 5-2. to two. This is going to be your feel-good moment of this episode, so just let's enjoy the good vibe here. So a couple things that jumped out at this game that I thought were really important for the Predators. Number one, UC Saros was not in net. Uh, very unusual. Saros played 67 games last season. He is best with consistency. He was definitely a workhorse for the Predators, but this was one of the few games early on in the season where he got a day off. Connor Ingram was in net and it was a really good game for Connor Ingram. Now, he didn't look great on the two goals that Minnesota scored. The Predators won five to two, um, but the important thing to take away from this game that I think is encouraging is that it showed that Nashville was not a team that only had its goaltender to carry them through uh, the season and to some success. This game showed that this team was more than a good goaltender. Now, not to say that UC Soros hasn't been key for the team, but the Predators finally had some weapons that made the team more competitive. And that has not always been true. If you've been a Nashville Predators fan for a couple of seasons, you'll realize that, yeah, looking back, there have been some seasons recently where goaltending definitely carried this team and made the difference. This game showed the Predators had some things going on outside of the crease that were going to bode well for them. One of the other things that stood out in this game, the power play. 
I don't think I have to remind you that the power play before last season was abysmal. Uh, the previous season, it was 17.6%. It was one of the worst in the league, well below league average. It was the hitch in the giddy up for the Nashville Predators for several seasons. And we saw improvements in that. The Predators kind of restructured not only just the personnel, but also kind of the system that they played on the power play. And you could see a real difference in it in this game. The Predators had movement on the power play. They had some interesting setups. They had quick passes, which resulted in two power play goals in the first period alone. So this bode really well for the Predators. It showed some important growth. And this was something that the Predators really were pretty consistent with through most of the rest of the season and something the Predators absolutely have to stay on top of next season. It was also great because it was not just one shot at a time on the power play. Uh, they really, both of those goals came off of uh, deflections, bounces. And so it just was a much more um, active power play. Also, this game gave us glimpses of where the offense was going to come from the rest of the season. Roman Yossi had a four-point game. He had a power play goal. He had an incredible one-timer from the blue line. And he had a beautiful assist on Ryan Johansson's goal. He kind of did like a spinning assist. It was it was gorgeous. And Yossi, of course, went on to have a historic offensive season for a defenseman. Also, Forsberg and Duchesne, this was the point in the season where we were like, okay, we have some offensive power here. You could see a difference, even in training camp, of Matt Duchesne's game last season. And I'm excited to see what the next level is coming up this season. In this game against Minnesota, Forsberg had one goal, one assist. Duchesne had three assists. You know, just you could tell that these two really kind of were elevating their game. And also in this game, Ryan Johansson, hello, two goals. One of my favorite stats from last year that I love that just delights me is that Ryan Johansson had a 22% shooting percentage, his career best and third best in the entire league last season. So Ryan Johansson, we love you. Shoot the puck. You're good at it. This game did have a couple of moments. There were some defensive issues. This team against Minnesota was beat by speed, something that we saw that Nashville really struggled with against fast teams, teams like Tampa Bay, teams like Florida, um, teams like Edmonton. They didn't always match up against teams with speed. Looking ahead, I'm not sure the Predators have done enough to really compensate for that. They brought in Nino Niederreiter. I'm not sure that he is the answer to matching up against fast teams. So this is something I think the Predators really need to keep their eye on. Another defensive issue, turnovers in the D zone. And this was something that we saw throughout the season by the Nashville Predators. Um, turnover in the D zone led to a goal in the second period with 1.5 seconds left for the Minnesota Wild. So the Predators have to work on clearing the puck out of the D zone effectively. I do think the Predators have addressed some defensive issues, and we're going to talk about how they've done that and why I think we're going to see some improvement defensively 
We're going to talk about that coming up in just a minute. But first, want to let you know that this episode is brought to you by our good friends at BetOnline. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. You can find your favorite sports and events on the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. You can find reviews and news from every sports league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, all your contacts, sports esports and golf bet online continues to be the top online resource for all your sports wagering information from live in-game betting scores and podcasts they have you covered with everything you can head to bet online today or you can use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening today bet online where the game starts so we're going to dive into game two, the second game I want to look at from last season that serves as kind of a lesson looking ahead. I'm going to read a list to you, and I want to see if you can pull up in your mind what Central Division team the Predators were playing and what game it was when they committed this list of penalties. Go ahead and get comfy, friends. It's going to take a minute. Here we go. Interference. Boarding, fighting, tripping. That one, in our defense, that was a little bit questionable. Uh, another fighting, a game misconduct. Instigator, the one you just don't see much anymore. Interference, elbowing, and for good measure, a second game misconduct. Yeah, so can you pull up in your mind what game that was and what Central Division team the Preds were playing? Well, if you think about it and can't come up with it right away, that probably tells you everything you need to know about the Predators and penalties. Probably the biggest story of the Nashville Predators last season, despite these career and record-setting uh, seasons by Duchesne and Forsberg and Yossi and Saros, great play, and Phil Tomasino and Tanner Janot, all of these things. But when you look at overall, what is one of the big storylines from the Nashville Predators? You have to say penalties. That was true in the February 12th game against the Winnipeg Jets. So Nashville goes into this game. They're doing great. They are up 2-0 against, you know, a Winnipeg team that's, yeah, they're pretty much struggling, said with love. But they were struggling last season. Already in February, Winnipeg was feeling the crunch. This was a team that knew that they had to get some wins. They were desperate for some wins in February. Predators go up. Um, their first goal is kind of this really solid breakout. And then this weird, wonderful one-timer by Mikhail Granlund. And then Duchesne has yet again another power play goal. So things are looking good for the Predators, right? Up to nothing against Winnipeg. It's a game that the Predators should win. And then the proverbial wheels fall off the bus. Penalties. Again, main story of the season last season. This game had dumb penalties. And Nick and I have talked about this before. There are such a thing as good penalties, and there is such a thing as really dumb penalties. Understand if you have a, a breakaway and you commit a slash and it prevents a goal. Well, okay, you know, kind of sucks. But if you feel like you know, that's going to stop a score. And if you feel like your penalty kill can stand up against this team, 
I think that could be a relatively smart penalty to take. This game did not have smart penalties. It had really sloppy, avoidable penalties. You know, one of the things that Nashville talked about all last season that John Hines would say over and over again in um, media was, we want to be a team that's tough to play against. And this was a team that wanted to play a physical game. But you have to be very disciplined when you play that way. And Nashville really never sort of found that thin line of footing that they needed to execute that really well and to execute it cleanly. This was a game with penalties like interference and tripping. And here's one that really frustrates me. This is a dumb penalty, a fighting, a misconduct, and an instigator penalty. Um, and those are by Luke Cunning. Now look, those are avoidable. And you could say, well, the Nashville Predators got rid of Luke Cunning, so that's going to clean up the problem moving forward. But this is not just a Luke Cunning problem, and I think we all know that. After that game, uh, Matthias Ekholm spoke to the media about the penalty situations, and this is what he said after this Winnipeg game. He said, I think penalties have been a part of our team the whole year. We've still been able to win games, but now is starting to bite us. I know guys don't want to take penalties. It's not like someone is trying to go out there and take a penalty. That's just been the case as of late, and that's something that needs to change. It didn't. The Predators struggled all the way through the season with penalties, and that is something that absolutely has to change going forward for the Predators. They have got to play more disciplined. Another issue in this game against Winnipeg was defensive lapses. The defensemen were really owned in front of the net, and that's an area that the defense is going to have to take better care of looking ahead. You know, in this game, Yossi was pushed out of net front by Wheeler on a Shifley goal. They couldn't clear the net front screen for Saros on a power play. There was a uh, a player who just slipped down the weak side for a wide open goal on another power play. Just these defensive lapses. That's something the Predators are going to need to address. And I think that they've made some strides in that. We're going to talk a little bit about what those are in just a minute. But also want to point out that this game against Winnipeg was the first time Nashville had lost after leading in the second period in 18 games. You know, and that boils down to mental toughness. And I think the Predators have done a really good thing bringing in Ryan McDonough for those two reasons, those two things that we just talked about. And look, I don't necessarily think that Ryan McDonough is the second coming of Pecorino here. Um, I, I don't think that he is going to come in and he is going to outshine Roman Yossi and make Matthias Ekholm weep with jealousy necessarily. But here's what I do think Ryan McDonough brings. I think he brings in a tremendous amount of experience, and I think that experience matters. Um, this is somebody who has been able to do the entire slog of an NHL season all the way through the playoffs, through the conference championships, to the Stanley Cup finals, and won. And yes, that takes talent and that takes timing and that takes a lot of things coming together at the same time, but it also takes mental toughness. And I feel like there is an element of that experience that's going to be so beneficial to this team, thanks to Ryan McDonough. I think um, he's also going to help clean up those defensive lapses. I think this is a better defensive core with Ryan McDonough in here and in it than it was last season. I think that's going to be really important. 
Now, coming up, we're going to talk about what is probably the biggest and most excruciatingly painful example of mental lapses from last season that cost the Nashville Predators not only a game, but I think it cost them their season. We're going to talk about that game coming up in just a minute. First, I want to thank you again for making Locked On Predators your first listen every day. If at the end of this episode you are still hungry for some more hockey talk today, go and make your second listen Locked On NHL. This is a podcast where Locked On experts give you a daily 30-minute podcast on all things NHL all year long. You can stay up to date on everything in the hockey world. Locked On NHL, your daily 30-minute NHL podcast. So the final game we're going to look at is the final game of the regular season. And if this doesn't give you a little in the pit of your stomach, I don't know what will when it comes to hockey. The Nashville Predators on April 29th faced off against the really struggling Arizona Coyotes. And they lost 5-4. to four. Nashville Predators entered this game needing one point, uno, uno point to stay in the first wild card position in the playoffs where they would face Calgary in the first round. It's against Arizona. How hard can this be? We don't ever ask out loud again. Um, game started out just guns a blazing. I remember where I was sitting watching this game laughing out loud because I thought, oh my gosh, this is so great. Yes, this is the Predators team that we need to take into the playoffs. Oh, we are going to bring it to Calgary. Look at us in this first seven minutes of this game. Look at the Nashville Predators. They went up 4-0 in the first 657 with goals by Colton Sissons, um, Ryan Johansson, Phil Tomasino, and Mikhail Granlund. It was just Predators pouring it on and, and it was a sight to see for seven minutes. Um, Arizona switched out their goaltender uh, in net for the Nashville Predators. No UC Saros. Uh, we talked earlier in this episode about, hey, you know what? It was really good that UC Saros could be uh, resting a game and the Predators still come out and do well. Not so much the case. Um, Connor Ingram was in this game. It was not one of Ingram's best performances. In his defense, when Arizona tied it up 4-4, those four goals came on some wacky bounces. But look, friends, wacky bounces is hockey. Um, and the Predators just got completely flummoxed. Um, Arizona took the lead halfway through the third period, 5-4, and the Predators could not come away from this game against the Arizona Coyotes, the team that was bottom of the barrel in the central they could not get one point. And I think we all know how that turned out. Uh, Four-game sweep against the Colorado Avalanche that was just painful. This is a game that comes down to mental toughness, you know, what we have been talking about earlier. You know, the Predators in this Arizona game, um, April 29th, they had just come off of some really hard games against Calgary. They had Tampa Bay. They had Minnesota. They had another game against Calgary. They had a game the night before against Colorado. So the Predators were in the of it. They were playing these really top teams. They were playing for their playoff life. They were in playoff mental mode for a while. 
but it was way too easy to let that mental game slip. And I think part of that is just a weariness that can come. Look, it is hard to win the Stanley Cup. Um, there are a lot of things that go into a successful postseason, but 82 games of a regular season, that's a lot. You know, that's pretty brutal in and of itself. The NHL season is unforgiving and the Predators just didn't seem to get to a place where they were strong mentally consistently. Definitely saw improvement on this team. And I don't think even people who are on that fire hinds train to nowhere, it really goes nowhere, my friends. I think you have to objectively be able to say that John Hines has elevated this team's mental game exponentially in his tenure here. It's been one of his biggest challenges, and I think that it has definitely been successful. But they need kind of that mental resiliency as well. Um, and, and it just was lacking in this game. As soon as the tide turned, Nashville really played flummoxed the rest of this game. And it's like they couldn't dig in and, and sort of find what they needed to find for, let me say it again, one point, just one point, friends, to play Calgary in uh, to get that top uh, wildcard spot and face off against Calgary. They just couldn't do it. Um, after the game, Roman Yossi, bless his heart, uh, addressed the media. And this is what he had to say walking off the ice after that Arizona game. This point about the outcome. Um, and like I said, it wasn't obviously it wasn't our best game tonight. Um, we got to find a way to win this game after going up uh, for nothing. Um, but like I said before, we, we got to turn the page quick here. Um, uh, we, we, we have a a uh, great team to play against in Colorado. So um, we got we to gotta make sure we get rest and, and get ready. So they needed to turn the page quick. And I think that, you know, a lot of things didn't go in the Predators' favor. I think one of the main things in the postseason, they didn't have Soros. But just, I think they weren't able to turn the page mentally. The game one was rough. And coming back after a rough game one, they did have a better game two against Colorado. But I just really feel like they limped into the postseason after this Arizona loss. Um, and not just that they had to play Colorado, which Colorado was absolutely dominant clearly Stanley Cup champions. But I think coming off of a loss against Arizona, just to turn that page mentally, this was a hard loss to shake because the wheels came off the bus mentally for this team. And it's something the Predators have to really focus on next year. Again, we've seen improvements. They've got to keep going. They have got to grow in sort of that, it's a long haul mental toughness state. The other thing that I think we need to take away from this Arizona game, especially looking forward, is a saying that my mom used to say to us growing up. And of course, it annoyed the fire out of me growing up. But yeah, OK, you know, maybe she was right. Um, but my mom used to always say you need to make hay while the sun shines. You've got to take advantage of the opportunities when those opportunities are presented to you. 
you know, Nick and I talked all last season about how rough the April schedule was going to be for the Nashville Predators. And there were games in March and even in the beginning of April that the Predators needed to and really should have been able to win. They had games against like Seattle and Buffalo. These were games that the Predators should have won and just didn't get it done. You absolutely have to win the games that are relatively easy to win. There's no easy games necessarily in the NHL because it's a tough, um, you know, it's a tough league, but you have to win the games that are winnable. And the Predators did not do that when they had some chances in March. And so they were left with this slog of hard April games where they really didn't have any sort of gimme games. Next season, looking ahead, you know, looking at the Predator schedule going forward, the Predators start out with a really challenging October. Um, they come right out of the gate uh, with the Global Series. They're going to be playing um, San Jose in back-to-back -back games in Prague. As a total aside, I've actually been to Prague. I haven't been a lot of places, but I have been to Prague. And let me tell you, if you have a chance to visit Prague and watch Predators hockey at the same time, you need to book your tickets because it's going to be incredible. But the Predators have this international travel to start, you know, to start their season. They're going to be doing some preseason training in uh, Bern, Switzerland, and then going on to Prague. And then they're coming home and they've got to dive right in against Dallas. And they've got some challenging games in October. So, you know, that may be a rough start for the Predators. But you look ahead to November and December, and there are opportunities in November and December to bank some wins against some teams that are going to maybe struggle some with their roster or some teams that are in the early stages of a rebuild. The Predators have to take advantage of those kind of games. I think looking ahead, the real test for the Predators is going to come in February after that all-star break. And if you remember last season, the Predators struggled to kind of get their uh, footing after the All-Star break. Hopefully that won't happen again. They're going to need to come back from the All-Star break and they're going to need to get four to five solid wins in February against some good teams to be in a better position down the stretch. The Predators have to make hay while the sun shines this coming season. They can't take any games off. They have got to log as many points as they can and hopefully they will learn that. From last season. So there you have it. There are three Central Division games from last season that showed not only a microcosm of last season with the Predators, but also point to some things looking ahead that the Predators are going to need to do. Those were my picks for the Central Division games. What games last season do you think really kind of showed the Predators style and, you know, kind of give hints to what we might look forward to next season? Actually would love to hear from you on that. Um, you can find the podcast on uh, any sort of audio platform where you get at any of your podcasts. You can find us on YouTube. Drop a comment under the video on YouTube. What are the games that stood out to you from the Predator season? Or what games coming up next season do you think are going to tell a tale about this team? Let us know. You can find the uh, podcast on social media. You can find us on Twitter at LO underscore Predators. You can find my work at ontheforecheck.com. And you can, of course, find me on Twitter at 
and K underscore Mama on Ice. We also coming up are going to have a mailbag episode on Friday. So if you have any questions about the Nashville Predators, about hockey in general, about the deep meaning of life, about musical theater, friends, I'm available for all your answers. So feel free to reach out with that. Thank you again for making Lockdown Editors your first listen of the day. We will be back again on Friday with that mailbag episode. Hope you have a great day. See you soon.